Okay, good morning to everybody. So this has been a real blast so far this morning, in case you haven't noticed. We're starting late. Some of you saw an attempted start a few moments ago, and uh, I don't know exactly what happened there, but I do know that uh, what we were going to do did not work. So uh, my apologies for that. It's a little disappointing. So, uh, we, as you notice, uh, we are coming to you live this morning from my uh, office, my study. We're uh, going to be a little more casual and relaxed today. And uh, there's there's no music. We had music planned. We had... and. It worked last night when I tested it. It was the second test this week, and it all went well. And then this morning, it won't work. But that's okay. Ah, my wife says, take a deep breath. So I will. So on Wednesday evenings we've uh, we've done this to start, and uh, this may not be a bad idea for for me at least uh, today to do the same thing and to start with that a simple breathing prayer. We inhale as we say, pray, "Come, Holy Spirit," and uh, exhale as we say, "We need you." So, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. So, uh, so we are champions of hope on a mission with the Holy Spirit. We are uh, convinced, absolutely convinced that uh, since Jesus took everything this world has to dish out and overcame it all, that he can help anybody, anytime, anywhere, get through any day. He can do that. That's what we're all about, though, joining him in bringing hope to uh, single-parent families and everybody else we can. We want to infuse people with hope, the hope of Jesus. Uh, if you're new here, or if you've not joined the uh, uh, group here on the church Facebook page, uh, the Champions of Hope uh, group, uh, there's a link in the description. Uh, you can click on that, uh, and uh, you'll get instructions on how to join at that point. It's a great source of encouragement, inspiration, and connection. It's uh, something I would really encourage you to do. Uh, it, it, 
If you don't like Facebook, I would say stay away from everything except for the Bay City Wesleyan Church page and the group on that page called Champions of Hope. You can ignore everything else on Facebook, which is not a bad idea. Uh, but I would recommend those two to you. Uh, again, if you would like to give to Jesus through his church, I uh, want to encourage you to, uh, to check out the information also in the description about how you can give, either online or by mailing a check uh, to the church. Well, we're going to go straight to the message now. Let's pray. God, we're going to ask you to open our hearts and our minds and open our ears. We want to hear you. We want you to set the agenda. You're in charge. I want you to focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord. We really do want to see Jesus. Amen. Uh, this is, in case you don't remember, this is the Sunday following Easter. Uh, the first Sunday following Easter has uh, traditionally been called a gray day. It, it feels like a gray day. It is kind of a letdown after uh, Easter Sunday. Everything's built up all the way through uh, uh, February and March and celebrating Easter and then oh it's over. It's a gray day. Uh, this year the Sunday after Easter those is bleak and black. It's not just gray. It's bleak and black. We uh, in case you haven't noticed, and I'm sure you have, be, things are different. Uh, a pandemic slammed the brakes on life as we knew it just a few weeks ago. Uh, we all lost something in the process, and and we're we're still in the process of of uh, of losing things, uh, different areas of our lives. I just want you to think for a moment: what have you lost? What have you lost because of COVID-19? Uh, some people have lost their jobs. Some people have taken a severe cut in their income. Some businesses are really on thin ice. You've lost your ability to go wherever you want to go whenever you want to go there. We all have. For my introverted friends, uh, I'm going to venture to say some of you have lost your space for being alone. Um, 
for our, my extroverted friends, you've lost the ability to be in contact with people. And uh, for extroverts, that's really draining. Introverts can't get alone and extroverts can't get with people. Some of you may have lost your health or you know someone who has. Perhaps you've lost your sense of safety and security. Some of you have lost uh, the what was left of the school year. And um, some of you lost the normal graduation process and ceremonies. I, I understand there's plans for doing them later, but when, we don't know. And it's, it's just not what you expected. Not what you worked for. So what have you lost? How would you fill in this blank? I lost my... Because of COVID-19. Now, now, before this virus crashed into our world and sent everything spinning or not spinning, as the case may be, uh, a lot of us who grew up in church, hearing Sunday school Bible stories, uh, became burned out and fed up. Uh, we were really disappointed. When 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 we became adults and collided with the problems of adulthood, uh, our Sunday school Jesus, or at least the way we understood him, collapsed under the weight of all of our difficulties and discouragement. Uh, Life-altering events from the uh, personal illness, the uh, illness or death of a loved one, uh, to to a global pandemic. These life-altering events uh, happen on, on this broken planet. They have since nearly the beginning. We often feel like when these things happen, we often feel like it's all over. There, there's, uh, there's nothing that we can do. There's, there's no recovery. There's no coming back from this. Uh, there's no way this is ever going to end. This is ever going to turn out better. Uh, and we begin asking questions. And, and they're not bad questions. They're, they're necessary questions. But we ask questions like, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when everything seems to be falling apart? And I can't make ends meet, and I or or uh, I just can't get over this. I can't get well. Uh, where is he when when we can't tell up from down? When we're so confused? Where is Jesus when it seems like it's all over for us? So the afternoon of the very first Easter Sunday, 
seemed bleak and black to two grieving disciples who walked a lonely road away from Jerusalem on that Easter Sunday morning. Their story is recorded by Luke in Luke chapter 24, uh, starting at verse 13. When we're going to go to this story, I'm going to read portions of it and stop and 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 make some notes, commentary, and and some observations, and uh, as we go through uh, this event in their life on the afternoon of the very first Resurrection Sunday, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and 14 is where we're going to start. Now that same day, the same day that the women found the tomb empty, that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So, so far, in these two verses, everything seems normal. I mean, normal considering Jesus' crucifixion and burial happened on the Friday before this. Just a few... You know, like two days before, three days before, uh, they saw Jesus crucified, dead, and buried. Uh, And so here's a pair of grieving persons headed home after a disastrous week for them. Luke goes on to tell us in in verses 15 and 16 that as they as they talked and discussed these things, as they're walking, they're talking and discussing these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, every time I read or hear this story, I, I become curious about this statement that they didn't recognize him. These two uh, followed Jesus. They were his disciples, and uh, I don't know how long they were disciples. Maybe they hadn't been disciples uh, like Peter and John and James for three years. Maybe it only been two years. Maybe it only one one year. Maybe they'd only followed Jesus for six months or six weeks. But something in me says, surely they would have recognized their rabbi, their teacher. If you're a disciple of somebody, you've made a commitment to them, and you would think they'd recognize him. But something kept them from seeing Jesus. And I just wonder who or what it was. Now, I have a theory, and I'm going to share that in a moment. So hang on. Um, In Luke chapter 24, uh, he goes on in verses 17 through 24. Jesus says to them, he he asks, what what are you discussing together as as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels. And the angels had said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Uh, Jesus asked a question to just open the floodgates of their grief, despair, and confusion. Uh, the death of their hope on a cross Friday afternoon broke their hearts, flooded their eyes with tears. There were unanswerable questions and mysterious reports now that sent their brains spinning. How could this happen? Why did this happen? How could we be wrong? Look at all the things he did. What is this? He's, what, what do you mean his tomb is empty and he's gone? What, what do you mean you can't find his body? And then, as they're walking home, this stranger starts walking with them, which is fine. It's safety in numbers is okay, and he seems to be an okay person. But there's something weird because... This guy doesn't know about the life-altering events that we're talking about. How, they're wondering, how can anyone not know that our world's come to an end? Now, I promised to share my theory about why they did not recognize Jesus, and here it is. Human beings like you and me, so let's just say we. We cannot, we often cannot see beyond the pain of the present second. When painful things happen in our lives, we often only see the pain. So these two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus displayed this reality. Uh, they only addressed Jesus' death and, and how it had dashed all of their hopes. Uh, and, and, and their discussion, their debate together uh, about the amazing reports of his empty tomb proved that they really did think it was all over. I mean, I could hear him saying now, dead is dead. Buried is gone gone forever. No returns. No hope. Everyone knows that. How can we go on when it's all over? Well, Jesus engaged them in a tear-stained dialogue. Uh, I'm going to give credit to my niece, Angie Grand-Leonard, uh, who uh, wrote an excellent post this week about tears and talked about tear-stained Jesus and tear-stained faces. Uh, I want you to know, 
Jesus was not and is not. Jesus was not and is not unmoved by human grief and loss. He stood outside the tomb of his dear friend Lazarus and wept. Jesus wept. His body shook with sobs and trembled with gut-wrenching pain as he stood outside the tomb of his dead friend. Now, some of you are jumping ahead to the end of the story. You know the end of that story. And Jesus knew, too. Jesus, even though he knew that a few moments from now, I'm going to call my friend Lazarus out of that grave, and God is going to answer that prayer and raise Lazarus from the dead. Even though he knew that was about to happen, in the face of death, Jesus wept. And I believe that as he walked along with these two grieving people, these two disciples who were heartbroken, he wept with them too. So as I read the next little part about Jesus and what he says to them, I want you to hear it and to listen to it as though you can hear tears in his voice. Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus appears to these two disciples. He met them in the center of their grief and despair. And I want you to notice that Jesus did not chastise them for how they felt. He did not say, you don't need to feel that way. He didn't say, oh, God has a plan. He didn't say any of the things that we would normally say or we have heard said in uh, funeral homes. He didn't. He didn't chastise them for how they were feeling. He didn't make little of it. He didn't tell them it was, you know, no big deal. But... He did challenge them to believe the promises God made through the prophets. He invited them to develop a new mindset, a timeless point of view that sees far beyond the painful present moment. Jesus encouraged them to trust and believe in him. Now, I just want to pause for a moment. I want us to go back. I mentioned the the tomb of Lazarus where Jesus wept. 
even though he knew he was about to raise his dead friend back to life. I believe he's calling those two disciples as he's walking down the road to Emmaus. I believe he's calling them to have his point of view. There's more to the story than we often think. But that doesn't mean we haven't lost something. And as Jesus stood at the tomb, knowing full well what he was about to do and how Lazarus was coming back, he still grieved. But he grieved with a different perspective. Everyone else around the tomb, nobody's coming back, no returns, no exits, dead is dead, buried is gone. And Jesus wept with them, knowing full well that wasn't the end of the story. He called these two disciples to trust him. I want you to understand, I want to remind you again, faith always is more relational than intellectual. It's more about connecting with Jesus in a relationship than it is about knowing all the right doctrines and having all the right words to say in any kind of a theological debate or having the answers to all the catechism questions you could ever be asked. Uh, faith is always more relational than it is intellectual. It is always about love. It is more about love than it is about law. Now, the intellectual part is important because what you believe about Jesus will affect how you connect with him. But you can believe all the right things and still not connect with him. You can live by the law and always do the right things, but you may not love him. So Jesus engages them in this conversation. He doesn't chastise them for their feelings, but he does challenge them to take a different view, a view that goes beyond this moment of pain to see there's more to this story. It's not over till it's over. So Jesus goes on and patiently clarified the promises uh, that the prophets had made. Jesus told them again, something that he told them over and over and over again as he taught his disciples through those years of his ministry. He told them that the prophets had said that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die, and that he would rise again. But they didn't get it. Now, verse 28, Luke chapter 24, verses 28 to 32. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on. He was going on down the road to the next town. And they urged him strongly. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. 
When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I love that. In our church family, we say it's an official meeting when there's food. They had an official meeting with Jesus. And they finally recognized Jesus when they were eating together. No matter where in the world you may go, and no matter where you are in, on the timeline of history, uh, humans have always and will always experience eating with each other relationally. It's something about what connects us. It's the something about eating. We don't like to eat with strangers. Think about it. If you went to a busy restaurant and they said to you, well, we don't have a table for you, but these people in this booth will let you sit with them. How comfortable would you be sitting with a bunch of people you don't know? It's weird. So we eat with people we know and love or, or people that we want to know and maybe want to love. We certainly don't eat with people that are our enemies. So in this simple act of eating together, Jesus breaks the bread, prays for it, breaks the bread, and it starts to hand it to them. In that moment, they go, oh, that's Jesus. Verses 33 to 35 gives the rest of the story. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They were There they found the eleven and those with them. They were assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. So they, they, they burst into this room wanting to proclaim their story. And everybody's going, Peter saw him. It's true, Jesus is alive. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They, all they could do was exclaim, Jesus lives. Jesus lives. Their hope rose to life with him. Now, their questions did not disappear into thin air. Uh, the mystery of everything they had experienced uh, remained. They did not know why things happened the way they did or how they happened that way. In fact, even as we, as they gathered with Jesus after over a month of being with him, there were people who were looking at him and, and, and not believing their own eyes. Because dead is dead and buried is gone. Except, not in Jesus' case. Somehow, some way, Jesus turned dead into alive again. 
he converted buried into living again. He Jesus turned despair into anything's possible kind of hope. So a grieving couple on the road to Emmaus discovered Jesus when everything seemed to have been falling apart in their lives. Uh, two broken hearts. Two heads spinning. And these disciples found Jesus when they could not tell up from down. Maybe it would be more accurate to say Jesus located them when it seemed like to them that it was all over. Jesus went to them. And when they were with Jesus, they found something different. So don't forget this. Because of Jesus' resurrection, you can start over even when you think it's all over. You probably have a broken heart and a spinning head just like the two disciples did. For all kinds of reasons. I want you to know you can count on Jesus to locate you when it seems like it's all over. He will meet you in the center of your grief and despair. He will not. Jesus will not chastise you for how you feel. He will weep with you. But he will also challenge you to believe the promises of God. He will invite you to develop that mindset, that new mindset. That, 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 that He will call you to seize the timeless point of view that sees far beyond this present painful moment. Yes, it's painful, and yes, we're going to experience it, but, but we learn to say, my heart is broken, my head is spinning with questions I cannot answer, but this is not the end of my story. Where is Jesus when it seems like everything has fallen apart, uh, when we can't tell up from down? Where is he when it seems like it's all over and there's no hope? Jesus shows up when we least expect it. And like every human being, we often fail to recognize him. But somehow, some way, Jesus will turn what you see as a defeated end into an endless victory. But that will not erase your grief, your anger, your uncertainty, your questions. Experiencing Jesus' presence with you will simply give you a hope-filled perspective. Hope confidently believes that your future is worth making it through another day. When it appears that all is lost and it's all over, hope declares, this is not the end of my story. Hope has a name. My hope has a name. And hope is Jesus. His name is Jesus.
Uh, as one of Jesus' disciples, uh, I want to encourage you. I think he's calling all of us to, to shift from grief that is soaked in fear and despair to grief that's tempered with hope. When I was growing up, I, I grew up in the church, okay? Uh, I grew up in the church. When I was growing up, uh, there were people who totally misunderstood, misused, and uh, misquoted 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. In that verse, Paul says, Now we do not want you to grieve like the rest who have no hope. It's a sentence. It's a longer sentence than that. I just took out the, the, the main gist of what I wanted to talk about. People that I grew up with often said, we don't grieve. Period. We don't grieve. That's not what Paul says. Paul says is, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve but with hope. We grieve with a different perspective. Christians grieve with hope. When we lose things, we grieve with hope. Yes, we've lost things. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it makes us angry. Yes to all those things. But it's not over. It's not the end. So what are the first steps in this journey? Uh, you, you do not get from uh, grief soaked in, in fear and despair to grieving with hope by simply deciding you're going to do it. Uh, it, it it's not something you can snap your fingers and, and, and be there. Uh, it takes time. It's a trip. It's a journey. So, so what are the first steps in this journey? Uh, the first thing is we have to own. You, you have to own your grief and uncertainty. Certainty. You, you have to openly, honestly, perhaps even loudly tell Jesus about how your world fell apart and how it makes you feel. No one knows how or when this pandemic will end. None of us knows. Uh, we have hopes that it's going to, we're going to be able to get out and be, get around at the beginning of May, but there's no guarantee. We, we have hopes and dreams and desires and plans, but we don't know. We need to talk to Jesus about that. I'm just going to leave preaching and go battling here. You need to talk to Jesus about it instead of the people on Facebook. They're going now. Own your, your, your grief and your uncertainty. Don't deny it. Don't hide it. Don't vent it to other people. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus about it. Now, perhaps you need some break, ice, uh, help breaking the ice. I mean, you may, yelling at Jesus may sound scary. You, you don't like yelling at all. Uh, 
I mean, there are a lot of people that, that for, for, for whom yelling is scary. Or, or just the thought of talking to Jesus is terrifying. Uh, and I understand that. <coughs> and let alone the idea of talking to Jesus about the what we would call negative feelings. You know, most of us are Northern Europeans, and, you know, they're, they're kind of calm, cool, and collected, or at least that's the way we want everybody to think that we are. We, we want everybody to think we're calm, cool, and collected. There are other cultures where they just wear their feelings on their sleeves, and, and uh, not us. No way. No way. We keep it quiet. We keep it hidden. But the first thing we need to do is own it. We need to own it. We need to own our grief. We need to own our anger. We need to own our uh, uncertainty, our questions. And to, and to start talking to Jesus about how you feel, uh, may, you may need some help to get started. And there, there's a, uh, a list of lament psalms that you can read out loud. Uh, it's in the version event notes, and I will post it on the uh, uh, Facebook page after uh, this message is done. These psalms cry out to the Lord in bold, striking words. They can help you say to Jesus what you might otherwise hesitate to say. I would encourage you to, to read them out loud with feeling. So, when the psalmist in Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm pretty sure that's not the way he would have said it. It's called a lament, a cry for a reason. My God, why have you forsaken me? Read it with feeling. Read it out loud. My guess is that after you've read these psalms a few times with feeling and out loud, you will be able to, you'll find it pretty easy, almost natural, to tell Jesus exactly how you feel, to express your grief to him, to know he weeps with you. So, do you feel an urge uh, to open up to, to Jesus about your grief? Uh, is there part of you down, down inside that's thinking, I would love to tell him. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you to take your next step. So the question is, will you express your grief and uncertainty by reading through the list of lament psalms that we're providing? I can't make you. Jesus won't make you. But he's asking you to. Let's pray.
King Jesus. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you. To see you alive. Alive with us. Alive with us with infinite love and power. Holy Spirit, as we see Jesus, saturate everything we say and do. Saturate even our feelings of grief and loss, of anger and uncertainty. Saturate our words, our thoughts, and our feelings with the hope of the resurrection. Teach us to say, My heart is broken, my head is spinning, but this is not the end. I will weep, but I will also wait for the rest of this story. Teach us to hope. Teach us to grieve with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So in a few minutes, what time is it now? Ah, in uh, about 15 minutes, we're going to be able to meet together in a Zoom meeting. And we'll all be in a big room, and we'll be uh, those of us who have uh, uh, have capability to do this. We'll be able to see each other um, and to talk to each other. It is a virtual gathering, a meet and greet. So if you have uh, you have some a cup of coffee, bring that along and uh, grab a couple cookies or. Uh, I, I even told Bill Stevens that he could bring uh, steak if he wanted to. Doesn't have to share, uh, unless Debbie wants some. Um, so I, we're just going to take a few minutes to be together as best we can in these days. And so uh, at 12 o'clock, we'll meet in the Zoom meeting. There, The link to it is posted in the Champions of Hope group. That was sent out yesterday. There's a there's a post with the link for uh, for this gathering there. Uh, also, if uh, you for some reason don't have that, can't get in at this point in time, uh, if you just uh, hit that button, send a message, uh, and uh, say meet and greet, I'll send you the link in a couple of minutes. So, 
I'm going to hang out here for a minute, kind of look at the comments, and then we'll I will end our live session and get ready for our Zoom meeting. Pie? Somebody said there's pie? Now I really... I was a little bit envious about the idea of somebody having steak, but now I want the pie. Steak from Burger King. Well, you know. As long as it's not the impossible steak from Burger King... Okay, guys, I'll uh, sign off and see you in a little bit. Bye-bye.